You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're recording. Hey, guys, welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui again. I'm here with Dr. Edwin Porras. I said that. I, I, I think I nailed that, did I? You got it, man. You got it. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you for thank you for coming on. I know how busy you are, uh, and I know how it is. You know, everyone's trying to request time in August when it's like peak draft season, especially it's past the middle of August right now. Uh, but uh, Doctor is from uh, FantasyPoints.com. Uh, you know, just want to say one thing about them. They have an amazing team over there. A lot of analysts that I respect greatly. When you talk about relevant fantasy conversation and analysis that's where it's at uh, this is not an ad <laughs> this is i just genuinely think a lot of what they're doing over there is legit like if you know the guys over there you know that they're putting out good stuff um and, and doc you particularly add a ton of amazing insight to these players analysis uh when it comes to injuries long-term health short-term prognosis and how it can affect players fantasy football season so uh, can you tell us just, you know, before we get started, can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself, you know, how you started, how you ended up at fantasypoints.com, maybe, you know, what you do outside of fantasy, do you practice physical therapy at all, that sort of thing? Yeah, for sure, man. So I, first of all, I do appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Um, I, I, I know it seems like uh, everybody's really busy, but I, I'm not the only one. Like you, like you said, everybody's really busy. It's not just me. So um, I, I appreciate you having me on and, and even thinking of me to, to, uh, to come on. I feel so bad because <clears throat> I, I'm never on Instagram. You probably noticed that. Um, I'm on Instagram, like, like maybe I've been trying to be better about it, but I'm on Instagram, like maybe three or four times a week. Right. And I don't even check, like, I don't even check my messages. I'm, I'm super bad about it. I think I have like 20 followers on Instagram. Like you've tapped into a market there, man. Like, congratulations on that. Cause I went and checked your page. I was like, Oh dude, he's got he's got some followers following around, but I, I, you probably thought I was ignoring you. So I'm sorry for that. I definitely wasn't. No, um, no, I, I, I figured that. And the fact that like, you know, I, I actually commend you for not going on Instagram 18 times a day. <laughs> I just replaced but, it I with mean, Twitter. So it's the not fact that much that, better. No, I get it, man. But the fact that you go on Instagram like four times a week, I commend you, man. That's, I give you props right there. <laughs> well, it's, 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 I got to get better about it because people message me everywhere, but right. yeah, man. So I'm a physical therapist by trade. That's what I do. Um, I'm an orthopedic uh, physical therapy resident for Kaiser Permanente. That's getting rolling here pretty soon. And I love sports injury. I love sports performance. Uh, I don't love sports injuries, I guess. I love helping people rehab from sports injuries. Um, I love the NFL. I love everything about it. And it really frames my, um, it frames my perspective in how I play when it, when it comes to injuries. I, I sort of view these players, I think, a little bit differently than most people. Um, I think the general idea in fantasy when it comes to injuries and health is like, well, it's random, right? Everybody gets hurt. Everybody's hurt. When I, when it's really what I'm trying, I've been trying to beat the, beat the table for the understanding that a lot of this stuff isn't random. 
a lot of it is, but a lot of them is at random. Like there are patterns and correlations to follow. So um, that's what I've been trying to do. And I'm hope I'm hoping that we can clear up a lot of those, a lot of those uh, sort of misconceptions with some of the dudes we talked about today. Yeah, man. So let's get into it. Um, there are a ton of players to talk about, you know, very curious when you take on a lot of these guys. Uh, I know. Uh, so Miles Sanders wasn't on the show notes that I sent you, but you know, obviously you can't, you can't like, uh, predict what his injury is going to be, right? Because they, they said that it's a lower body injury. He's going to be sidelined in camp for a bit. Uh, designated as week to week, which to me doesn't sound like, I'm not a doctor, but it doesn't sound like an amazing prognostication when you say week to week. Um, w- when you hear that, like, is that something that you get concerned with? The fact that we're about less than a month away from the season? You know, it's Doug Peterson and Doug yeah. Peterson, he's going to do Doug Peterson things. That's what right. he says. He like you can't you, know, you can't predict what the, the Eagles are going to do and what their injuries are because Doug Peterson literally said I think like three or four weeks before uh, Deshaun Jackson tried to come back the first time, like three or four weeks before that happened. Doug Peterson's like, yeah, we're uh, we're week to week with him and we're pretty optimistic this week. It took another month for Deshaun Jackson to even get on the practice field. Right. So it's like whatever he says, you can't really believe they. The worst case scenario is Miles Sanders has an ankle sprain. This is complete projection. I'm not saying that I know this is what it is. Sure. Um, because he's had them in the past. And, like, it doesn't seem – if it were an ACL, right, or if it were specifically a high ankle sprain, if it were something along those lines, we would probably know by now. But there are also other, some other players that are on that same list. So I wouldn't panic right now. Um, if anything, if, you're, if you are in a league with, like, the handful of, people, of, of managers who are just, like, panickers – and want to like unload Miles Sanders for some reason. I don't know what that anybody's actually doing that. I'd just I'd go I'd go and buy because there's really not a, a lot there saying that it's severe. Right. And it, when you look at the injuries of all these guys uh, who are injured right now in the Eagles, it's upper body, upper body, lower body, lower body, upper body. So no, they're not getting specific with anybody. So it's not just Miles Sanders. And this is particularly disappointing to me because I'm so big on Miles Sanders this year. Like his opportunity this year just looks amazing to me. So I'm, I'm all in on him, like, at, you know, at the one, two turn. Um, but let, let, let's move on. So a guy who, you know, I'm, I'm, I plan on taking before Miles Sanders, Dalvin Cook, right? And, and I listened to you and I've heard, I've read your articles about Dalvin Cook and I was high on him last season because, you know, he was over the ACL tear uh, and the hamstring injury he had in 2018 that was lingering throughout the season could have been a result of him, you know, just basically rehabbing the entire offseason before that. You know, coming into 2019, you know, he wasn't necessarily rehabbing anything. He just had time to get better. So that was kind of my thought process, right? My non-medical thought process on that. So uh, going into this year, um, I read your article at fantasypoints.com. You're a little concerned about his shoulder. Yeah. And so I think the one thing to clarify before we get into the specifics of some players, what we, especially for injury analysis, what matters is process because statistics and randomness are going to happen. Players, you can't predict when they're going to get injured. You can't necessarily know specifically when and the place and what location they're going to get injured in. So I want to establish that first. Everything is about laying out range of outcomes. And the bottom line is that from a big picture perspective, the, the range of outcomes for Dalvin Cook is sky high. He, if he plays 16 games on a, on a point-per-game basis, the dude could legitimately finish as like top three point per game running back um, in the NFL at the end of 2020, right? That's, that's a ceiling. His floor is dislocates his shoulder in week five, plays through it again because he still hasn't had surgery, comes back in week eight, tries to play through it, tries to play through it, dislocates again, 
he's out for the rest of the season. And he has surgery nine months. He never gets a second big contract. That's the, that's the range of outcomes when it comes to even thinking dynasty wise, that's a potential, that's a possibility. And so I'm not saying, Hey, don't draft Alvin cook at whatever at, at the, at the four or five. Right. I'm saying just understand the type of risk that you're taking on by drafting him at that spot. And the, and, and, and the risk is objectively higher than it would be um, for Alvin Kamara, higher than it would be for Joe Mixon, higher than it would be for Josh Jacobs. Yes. All those guys can get injured too, but specifically the pattern that Dalvin cook is showing is, is, is worrisome and it's quantifiable. And if it's quantifiable, we should use it. That's my opinion. Right. Right. And now those, those separate, those past separated shoulders that he's had uh, documented, uh, were those documented or do you infer that based on some video evidence that you've seen? I know that on player profiler, you know, I haven't seen that. Um, I know he, it's saying that he had a right SC joint sprain in week 11, a life, like left shoulder sprain in week 15. But do you look at the video evidence and kind of say that looks like a separation to me? Uh, yeah, so there is, it's, it's semi-important to clarify. A separated shoulder is, and I don't know if you like actually do put, you post videos and you might post the videos or I'm assuming you do, right? Yes, I do. Or you just, okay, so, right, whatever. I can't see because my, so SC joint right here where your clavicle meets your, your chest basically. AC joints out here, right? So this joint right here is like basically immovable. It's, it, it's impossible. It just, it doesn't move. It's got very, very little movement. So the fact that he moved, you know, he, he injured that in the first place is, is kind of interesting. But when you talk about a separated shoulder, that's out here. Um, he hasn't had what that we know of separated shoulders. He's had dislocation of shoulders, which is the arm from the shoulder getting dislocated. That's what he's had. And there are, he, those are documented for him dating back to high school. Um, there are like blurbs about his injuries from high school. And then he dislocated again when he was at Florida state walking up the stairs. And then he dislocated again when he was in pass block at Florida state. So he finally ended up getting surgery the second time around. Then the video of him in 2019 against the chargers, he did the same thing to the left side and he didn't have surgery for it. So it's the dislocations specifically that have you worried about Dalvin cook because the, the best case, his best statistics are, 41% of players from college to the NFL end up redislocating. dislocating 55% of players in the NFL who dislocate in the NFL redislocate again. So basically you're looking at this range of 40 to 55% of NFL players who have a shoulder dislocation in the past will have it happen again. Again, that's not predictive, but it is, the, those are just the numbers. So you're saying if you draft Dalvin cook, it might be a good, it might be a good, or whether you draft Dalvin cook, cook or not, you might want to grab Alexander Madison a little bit later. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, got it. I mean, you know, not to and say And maybe draft, that, maybe draft Alexander Madison anyway if you're, you know what I mean? Right. I think drafting other people's handcuffs this year is a good strategy. It's a great strategy, especially this year. Just it raises your, it raises your, your ceiling significantly. Um, and, hey, listen, don't forget about Mike Boone too. I know a lot of people are going to be, might be a little bit disappointed. You know what I'm saying? Like when Alex, when it's time, Dalvin Cook gets hurt. Like, all right, I got Madison. Here we go. And then Mike Boone just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, seriously. Sure. Anyway. That's just, I digress. Um, so Alvin Kamara, I, I want to bring him up. Um, we find out that he, uh, you know, the hearsay is that he tore his MCL last year, right? That, apparently, right? And then he had the high ankle sprain. And I wonder if the sprain, you know, could have been due to some favoring because of that MCL tear earlier. I don't know. But do we have anything to worry about when it comes to that MCL tear? 
you know, there's some worry for Kamara just based off of the knee injuries that he's had in the past. And he's had a scope in the past. And then, of course, he either had the MCL. I know Pro Football Doc, football doc mm-hmm. um, thinks that it was PCL. Okay. Either way, it wouldn't have had anything to do with the ankle sprain. I, when I watched it the first time, um, I watched it a few times. I thought it looked like it would have been an MCL. And that's – anyway, it does, honestly doesn't matter because at this point, those would have healed by now, especially if it was an MCL. So we have nothing to worry about when it comes to that. The high ankle sprain, we know that they come, players come back on an average 15 days after a high ankle sprain. Um, it's not typically the four to six weeks that's often cited. And when he did come back from that, there's also um, there's some evidence to show from physicians, team, head team physicians that say when players come back from high ankle sprains that they actually come, they take about four or five weeks to get back rolling and they're actually at a deficit for four, four or five weeks after that. Right. So all of those things taken into account – and the fact that there's not really a recurrence rate for the issues that Kamara had last year. From a health perspective, like Kamara is, is absolutely good, good to go this year. Awesome, awesome. And, and we know, like, you know, when, when it comes to, you know, Scott Barrett's big on weighted opportunity. And when it comes to weighted opportunity, like Alvin Kamara is right up there, you know, just after those top guys. So I'm, I'm big, big on Kamara. So that, that, to me, like, I appreciate that. This is why we're having this conversation, right? Because when I hear that sort of thing, to me, I'm just like, oh, man, I don't know. You know what I mean? Um, and then he's going on that plant-based diet too. So I know you're not a nutritionist, but I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that's a little interesting to me. So that's something to watch. Like right. he, the, the problem, right, with plant-based is that, first of all, there's so many things that could mean, right? I mean, you have personal trainers and, and health coaches who don't have these certifications or have certifications from like, you know, no, no accreditation or anything. It's just sort of like the wild, wild west sure. when it comes to nutrition and, and health and stuff like that. So like plant-based can mean like a hundred different things. It doesn't mean that he cut meat out completely. And exactly. the reality is that as long as he's still getting enough protein, regardless of where he's getting it from, um, it shouldn't really be a problem, at least in my opinion. Right. And he, he didn't go full Aaron Foster and like just go straight vegan. Right. So that, right. I, it doesn't seem like that's the case. If it was, we would have heard about it because right. vegans love to do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um all right so i want to move on to josh jacobs uh they're limiting him in camp uh because i'm assuming because of the shoulder injury um you know he's not i guess 100 percent full go they're kind of taking him off the field here and there but uh why is this still a thing eight months later yeah i didn't know that can you do you have the specific report of what they're doing because i I hadn't heard that that's all that's literally all it is they're just limiting his reps that's all it is now they and they asked jacobs about it and Jacobs, pretty much all he said was, like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I don't feel the shoulder at all. So, and that's what I would assume, oh, okay. that he, didn't feel, he doesn't feel the shoulder at all. Uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm just curious, like, why is that? Are they just being very, very, very cautiously, cautious with him? Yeah, I wouldn't even know. Obviously, I'm not behind closed doors. I don't know. Sure. I don't know his specific medical history. Like, I'm not. I just, from what I read and is documented – I can't imagine that his health is a reason that they would hold him back. That shoulder was a shoulder fracture right. that should be healed by now. Okay. Um, and not, I'm not aware that, that, that Josh Jacobs has any type of like condition that would prevent that from being the case. So if they're holding him out in practice, I, I can't imagine there's a, a real medical reason there. But again, this is the first time I'm hearing this, so I'd have to read it. But right off the top of my head, that's my first reaction. Great. Perfect. Um, so you've pointed out in the past that James Conner, you know, his ability to finish games over the past few seasons has been somewhat notable, right? And you pointed that out in your work. Um, now, obviously, he has upside, right, of like a top seven, eight back, even top five back if he's healthy and just because of the scheme that he's in. And, and obviously, you know, his skills kind of like, you know, uh, 
are indicative of what he did in the past as well, like pass catching, all three downs, 90% plus of snaps, right? Um, is, is, is it worth taking a shot on him where he's going? Because he's going relatively late in drafts when you talk about these three down backs, potential backs, right? The Mike Tomlin wants to go back to, right? Yeah. Um, or are you staying away because of his propensity to get injured? I have less of a problem taking James Conner if I have like at least one running back and two wide receivers, like maybe not as your RB two, maybe your RB three, then I'm, I'm fine with James Conner. But the thing about James Conner is and I pointed this out in the injury discount article I did with Scott Barrett at fantasypoints.com. He is, he has finished fewer and fewer games every year. He finished 13, 12 in the nine games last year and all of his injuries, high ankle, MCL, quad contusion and um maybe not so much the quad contusion but the he had something else that was connected the ac joint the that was connective tissue in nature we don't know but it seems like compared to other players james connor has a higher propensity to have these connective tissue issues is that because of the cancer treatment in the past i can't say for sure i'm not saying that's that's what's going on i'm saying that's that's something to consider that he just can't stay on the field because his body makes connective tissue in a different way it's just more question marks, like to really zoom out and like say big picture, there are just a ton of question marks around James Conner and enough for me to not really be confident in him because really he's got he's to prove it in my opinion. Like he has to show us that he can stay healthy before I'm willing to take him. Um, right. One thing that really has shied me away is the fact that going back to the connective tissue stuff, he had surgery on his MCLs, uh, MCL tear. It was grade three, complete tear. First of all, those aren't as common um, as, as, you, as we might think anything else is. But only less than 5%, actually, less than 5% of those MCL injuries actually require surgery. He needed to have surgery for his. Why is his connective tissue seeming to be the problem? Those are all question marks, right? They're all question marks. So that's basically to say I wouldn't take him as like my RB2, maybe my RB3 flex. But that's that's where I'm willing to take personally James Conner. Okay, I got you. So when you look at his upside, you're not looking at it like, oh, man, his upside is too good to pass up. You're looking at it like, well, his upside is great, but at the same time, he hasn't stayed healthy. So, um, and and it's, like you said, you're correlating it all, you know, to kind of like one specific area, which is the connective tissue, and that could be an issue potentially with him. Right, range of outcomes. I just right. don't, I don't like taking, like, I like taking upside, and I am like, I'm all, like, Scott Baird has basically this year convinced me that I need to be less cautious right. um, and take bigger swings. At the same time, I think that you need to mitigate that risk when you can. And I think that avoiding James Conner mitigates that risk because, I mean, if you're going to take upside everywhere and as, as often as possible, um, you need to – it needs to be calculated, right? And in my opinion, a calculated risk, um, I think I'd rather take it elsewhere than with James Conner. Okay, gotcha. Now, another guy that, we, that he kind of proved that he was able to stay on the field last year, um, Todd Gurley, right? They're limiting his load in camp. Uh, which is something that the Rams did last year with Gurley as well, right? He went on to play a full year. Um, he's not the same guy, right? He doesn't have those sudden cuts and all that, uh, but can be relatively productive, right? Maintain himself, you know, for the entire season with the alleged arthritis in his knee. Um, now, <laughs> it was interesting, man. Like, they had their first padded practice the other day, and dude didn't even dress for the first padded practice. I'm like, what is going on? Like, that's crazy to me. Is yeah, it? Is it, is it's not? not. It's it's and then that's the thing is that it's not because here's what I'm trying to get across with Todd Gurley. If we're looking at like upside, 
like with James Conner, we have to look at upside with Todd Gurley. And the like James Conner has objective upside. To me, because of Todd Gurley's situation, he's got capped upside. Like right. last year, Todd Gurley finished RB14, I think, in points per game. I, that, I think that's his ceiling this year, to be quite honest with you. I think so, too, yeah. Because, because the arthritis isn't going, isn't going away. Um, he didn't dress the first part. This is like the name of the game with this um, um, arthritic knee is load management. You saw that already. He didn't practice the first pad of practice. So I, th- I think the misconception or maybe the, the narrative is that, oh, yeah, the Falcons drafted Todd Gurley, and they know they're just going to run him to the ground. I think it's the opposite. I think that an organization that typically splits carries anyway, going back to 2016, said, oh, here's a dude that is going to be cool with splitting carries because this is the specific condition that he has, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to split some carries. So, like, the the volume monster that I think people have created in their head in the narrative, I don't think that's the case. I think that they know they're going to have to manage this condition. Um, he's obviously shown physical performance deficits since this condition has come on, and it doesn't go away with time. It's, it's a chronic condition. It, it only gets worse with miles and with time. So I'm just – all of those things are, like – even even more so than like with James Conner, at least you're swinging for the fences with James Conner. Like I don't, I think that you're like trying to bunt when you when you take Todd Gurley in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like a floor play with Todd Gurley, and only in full PPR leagues because we saw how involved Devontae Freeman was last year in the past game. And first, for me, honestly, like I think Devontae Freeman's just washed, right? And they still were able to. He was they were able to involve him a ton in the passing game, even though he didn't see you know a shit ton of. Uh, snaps, right? And I think some, they can do something similar with Gurley. But like you said, Gurley scored 10 plus how, – how many touchdowns did he score last year? Like 13? 14 was it that touchdowns? many? I didn't even know it was that yeah, many. Yeah, it was like 10-plus touchdowns last year. And that really kept him afloat, right? And you don't want to depend on that, right? Sure, you can depend on the receptions, right? You can just depend on three, four, five receptions per game. And that's kind of where what you're depending on to keep him afloat as an RB2. So I hear you. Um, you know, with the arthritic knee, it, it's tough to like – depend on him uh you, you know he can he can be an rb2 right but he might not be the rb2 that you want um just volatile yep. yeah um chris carson to me you know this year he's been someone i've been passing on in drafts uh and it's mainly because they added carlos hyde to the backfield he's someone i think can limit carson's workload just a bit um he did get hurt at times carson did over the last two seasons maybe because of his running style and then he also lost a bunch of fumbles last season as well um and around where he's going, there are some three-down running backs that are available where, you know, that I'd rather depend on. But are there injury concerns with him, I guess, maybe due to his running style? Or, you know, he obviously had that hip fracture in week 16 that he, that he is back from. Uh, but just, just curious on your thoughts about, about Carson. I think Chris Carson, man, he's another one of those dudes with, like, more question marks than answers. Yeah. Um, it's a muddy backfield. They drafted DJ Dallas. Right, they were in the DJ Dallas. They took Seattle took yeah, DJ exactly. Dallas. Okay, and and they're hyping him up too. Like yeah, know, they're talking about him being like a pretty good pass catcher, pretty good route runner too. So yeah, coming on third downs, and Chris Carson was playing on third downs last year too. So some opportunity will be taken away from him there. And and you got Rashad Penny, who's coming back, who's you know highly drafted by the organization, coming back at the very latest week six. I mean, all of these question marks around Chris Carson in general, and the fact that thirty five percent. Of, well, here, let me back up. 7% of all hip injuries that happen to players in the NFL are, uh, geez, I can't even talk. 7% of, of all injuries in the NFL are hip related. And then 35% of hip injuries, you know, of that sample are, are muscular in nature. So there's so few 
fractures to the hip that happened. We don't know where the fracture was in terms of anatomical location. We don't know if it was intra-articular, extra-articular. Was it in the joint or out of the joint? We don't know what the healing timeframes were. We don't know what the treatment was. We don't know if surgery was on the table and why it was or wasn't on the table. Right. There are just too many questions around why he didn't have surgery. The assumption is because it wasn't a bad fracture, um, but that's not always the case. You know, a lot of times, even surgeons, surgeons won't operate on somebody who doesn't need it or might not benefit from it because it's not, you know, first of all, it's not ethical. Second of all, it doesn't make them look good if they do surgery on a player or a person that doesn't need it. So we just don't know right. a lot. He could go in, refracture it, you know, bottom out. He could play 16 games, ball out until Rashad Penny gets back, and then maybe delegate, be delegated back to like RB2 you know, status. We just, again, range of outcomes versus ceiling. I don't think that the ceiling is high enough to justify the potential loss on volume and carries that, that Chris Carson and the potential for injury again that Chris Carson brings. Right, right, okay. And, and one of those three down backs that I was you know, looking at, at around where he's going is David Johnson, right? He had this uh, alleged high ankle sprain in week six, right? That's not, that wasn't documented anywhere. I did see it on player profiler, but during the season, it wasn't documented. Um, but he had a back injury as well, right? And that those two kind of played off of each other, you know, as far as like him not performing as well as he could, especially as he did before week six. But is the back sprain something that he can get over? You know, I know he had a back injury, uh, I guess, early 2018 as well, a back sprain. And, and he wasn't great in 2018 either. Um, so I'm just curious what your thoughts are there. Obviously, I think he can get over the high ankle sprain, but we don't know if that was the issue, right? We, have, we really don't know much. Am yeah, I man, there's, we don't know much. Yeah, that's what it is, is. I just think, and I hate to say this, and I hope I'm wrong. I just think that, that we've seen the end of, of David Johnson as a productive fantasy football running back. He's 29 years old, and we know that in a sample of 275 running backs, the oldest player to, t- to get at least 150 carries, so volume and snaps, um, was 28 years old, right? So he's outside of that. Maybe only one year, but he's outside of that. Can you say that? Can you say that one more time? Yeah. So in a sample of 275 running backs from 2004 to 2014, the oldest running back to get at least 150 carries was 28 years old. Really? Yeah. That, so that, that's be, such a were, shocking stat to me. So it's between the, they were, so they had an average age, right? I think the average age was like 26. Right. And the standard deviation was, no, it had to have been 23 because the standard deviation was, was like three years or something, but basically it was that, that, that stat, right? So whoever got at least 150 carries, they were between the ages of 22 and 28 Wow! because of the standard deviations. Right. Right. So you're really getting to the far extremes once you got to 22 and 28 and that's where he's sitting. So he's at 29. You also know because of work done by Adam Harstad that running backs, once they hit that ceiling, once they hit the proverbial wall, it's like they're going along, chugging along, chugging along, chugging along, chugging along, and then boom, they just fall off and they're gone. Got and it. they very rarely, if ever, I don't like, I think Adam actually said like, it's not only rare for us to see a bounce back. It's, it's never been documented that there's a big bounce back. I think we might just have seen the end of David Johnson. And instead of saying like, Oh man, yeah, David Johnson didn't perform because of, you know, the high ankle sprain in the back. We could be, we could say like David Johnson didn't perform and he had a high ankle on the back. That's why the fall off was as precipitous as it was. So I, I'm just, I just think that he's done and I hope I'm wrong. I could be wrong, but when it comes to like upside again, I don't see a lot of upside in David Johnson. 
that's super interesting, man. That's a that's really that's a really that's really good insight right there because yeah, I mean he didn't look great in 2018 either, right? It's not like this came out of nowhere. Right. Uh, you know the fact that he was playing in Cliff Kingsbury's offense, you know there was a lot of space, right? Um, they were he was they were going four wide. A lot of the defense was focusing on those receivers, and they had to go into nickel dime packages and you know they weren't really focused on on the running back so i can see why he could have produced from a fantasy perspective before week six but the injuries just piled on enough where they have to go out and go ahead and get Kenyon drake here's the thing too and i'll say one more thing i know we're trying to cover a lot but with david johnson specifically isn't it interesting that a team in the cardinals who knew from like week two they weren't making the playoffs they weren't beating the they weren't beating the Rams, right. they weren't beating the Seahawks, they weren't beating the 49ers. The, the Cardinals knew pretty early on they're not making the playoffs. And Cliff Kingsbury was pretty set in the idea of like we're planning for the long term. So why would he look at an, an injury that would in theory only limit David Johnson four to six weeks? Why would he say that? Why would he see that that it's an injury four to six weeks, a high ankle sprain, right? Assuming and say, oh, I'm going to go and trade for Kenyon Drake to win now, right? right? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would he panic over a four to six window if he really thought David Johnson could still give him more next year? That's sure. sort of like the view, because he sees him every day in practice, right? We see them on Sundays. Exactly. He sees him every day. He talks to them. He talks to the, to, to the position coaches. He knows what's going on. He's in the know. So it wouldn't make sense for him to trade for another running back if he thought that David Johnson could still contribute more in the future. Right, exactly, and and it, man, if that doesn't work out for Bill O'Brien, I don't know what is. I don't know what is going to do it for him, man. I don't know what. I don't know what is going to get him canned, but this looks like be, it. This has to be the move that does. It. This has to be it. Okay. Anyway, uh, going moving forward, let's talk about some wide receivers. OBJ, you know, he seems like the perfect post hype grab this year to me. Um, he might not like. I don't know. I'm not really. There's a lot of guys going around where he's going that I like. Um, this year, he might not get a, like a shit ton of volume, but Baker has a chance to be more efficient. And this offense, I think, favors a downfield threat, you know, off of play action and all that more than, you know, these short to intermediate type of targets. It seems to me like, you know, he's back in a more like complete type of way where his body is potentially back working together as a whole, you know, at least according to his vlogs that he puts on YouTube. And he seems to be looking good in camp so far. I think his upside is worth going after. Um, but I'm wondering if, like, the sports hernia surgery can affect his production this year and, and, and how you view his, his overall injuries. Because he's been – he has some nagging stuff, you know, over the past couple of years. No, man, I'm, I'm all in on OBJ this year. Um, in a study by Dr. – gosh, Robert Frost, I believe is his name. Um, I don't know why that name – maybe that's, like, I'm making that name up. I'll have to find Robert it. Robert Frost sounds like a guy who – It's like, like an author, wrote, right? Right, wrote children's books, right? <laughs> yeah, he did. Why am I thinking of Robert Frost? For now, I have to. I'm looking it up right now. But it. anyway, in this <laughs> study, I swear it's a similar name, right? So it's yeah. the study is in NFL athletes. Aha, uh-huh, his name's Jack Robert, and I was thinking of Robert <laughs> Jack. I mean, close-ish. Jack Robert honestly sounds like another children's author. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> so he was, uh, let's see here, him and his colleagues, they did a study on 56 NFL players that had this surgery for sports hernia that what they found was that essentially players come back and have no further issues. They, are, they perform at the exact same level they did before the injury even happened. OBJ was suffering from that injury the entire year. Uh, there's honestly not much more to say. Like, I'm all in on him. He's a third-round pick. 
with first round talent and upside. And I'd rather take that upside than go with somebody else. Yeah, no, I, I exactly. Right. I mean, he's, he's a post hype guy. Like he was going in the first round last year without any knowledge of how this offense was going to run. There's a ton of ups, upside and ton of like hype around that whole Browns team going into last season. And now there isn't. And now there's a chance that that offense can be a little bit more efficient. Um, and then you have, you know, Jarvis Landry, you know, who might, who may or may not be ready for week one as well. So, you know, I'm thinking that OBJ can potentially uh, get a lot, you know, have a, have a big bounce back here uh, this season. Um, now, Amari Cooper, what's up with Amari Cooper? He had a foot sprain, an ankle sprain, a quad strain, a knee sprain, and that was all in one season last year. So I know, by the way, I think he went vegan too last year, last year, right? Not to say all that had to do with that, but like how does one get all these injuries in one season? Are they related? Can they be, you know, what does his future hold? What, what are you thinking? And by the way, I'm drafting Michael Gallup, but I'm just wondering, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering what, what you think about Amari Cooper. So the thing about it is there's a t- only 2.3% of NFL games can I stop you for free. one second? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem like any any football player gets you more frustrated than Mario Cooper. I just, I, I was, <laughs> yeah, I just it's so true. <laughs> so true, man. It's so true. It's like how do you how do you win me a week and then lose me a week like in two consecutive weeks? Like <laughs> the guy is is something else. Like he's a piece of work, but he's obviously got the talent. The thing with him is he he fell victim to the fact that, like I was saying, only two point three percent of NFL games are injury free in the first place everybody gets hurt. And sometimes the same guy gets hurt over and over and over and over. And all of his injuries were contact related. And he's had plantar fasciitis since college. We know that. So those are all the issues that he ran into last year. And even though he had all those issues, like the plantar fasciitis might be why over the long haul chronically, why he's so inconsistent. I'm sure there's a lot of psychology behind it, but like when it comes to last year's specifically, he had, he just got like, rammed in the knee like two two or three times and then turned an ankle or something like he just had bad luck and he fell victim to that 2.3 percent injury free stat so i'm not from a health perspective i'm not you know in on amari cooper necessarily um i think that he can win, win you leagues um wait did i say from a health perspective i am in on him but i'm saying from like a fantasy perspective Overall, it's yeah. like god he's so inconsistent like i'd like to see the standard deviations on on his games and see how like how much he fluctuates game to game oh yeah it's a ton and uh michael gallup was more consistent than he was last year and he had a he had he, he himself i think had a mcl tear didn't he uh he had so he had like a articular Ooh. cartilage damage so okay. essentially the inside of the knee the cartilage on the side of the knee they had to go and clean it up was that a meniscus or or no so it, it can be. So articular okay. just means like where it connects. So okay. it could have been like part of where the knee joint sits like that. It could have been just any of the cartilage along the bones or yeah, it could have been part of like the meniscus in between. So it could Not have been sure. any of those. Any of Yeah. He was back in like, I think two weeks. Um, yeah. And he was about two or three weeks. That, that scope is, is uh pretty routine. It's it. pretty, pretty relatively minor procedure. Got it. And he came back like that week and he just like killed it in week five. Um, okay. Now moving on. Uh, I want to talk about two Ravens. Mark Andrews and, and Hollywood Brown. Um, let's start with Andrews first. He was dealing with a bunch of injuries last year, foot sprain, shoulder sprain, knee contusion, and ankle sprain, and he still finished as a tight end three. Um, tight end five, and if you look at it, points per game. But uh, he's someone who was able to kill it despite his injuries, right? And obviously Hollywood Brown shares that sentiment. But he, he you know, Mark Andrews, you know, is he someone you look at and say, wow, like imagine 
what he can do if he's like completely healthy. And and obviously this will segue into to Marquise Brown, who played with the screw in his foot, you know, got that screw out now, right? And still managed to produce at some level last season. How, how, how do you look at these two guys? So Andrews was on the injury report quite a bit. Yeah. And I thought that was a little interesting. He's like 287 pounds and like six foot five or so. He's a huge guy. So foot and ankle issues are kind of par for the course for him. Um, I, I think there's a chance that he, that could go away this year. I think Mark Andrews was there also. And I, I don't mean to like step out of my lane a little bit when it comes to like beyond injury analysis, but I think he had a really high touchdown rate. Somebody on Twitter said that to me. He did. Um, he had, yeah, he had a ton of touchdowns. And if you, if you even bring his touchdown rate down to the average league average, um, his numbers come down quite a bit. So I don't know how much of that had to do with his foot and ankle, but if we start to see him on the injury report over and over again, again, like two or three weeks in a row, um, maybe consider if you're in a redraft league selling high after his next game, because um, it's, he's just a big dude and big dudes like that are more likely to have Liz Frank um, and, and Jones fractures, Jones fracture type injuries, if that makes sense. So it's something to watch, but it's not anything that I would necessarily shy away from immediately. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I'm probably not drafting him where he's being drafted. He's kind of in that no man's land for me, like when it comes to tight ends. Um, but what about Hollywood Brown? What, what do you think about him? Obviously, you know, his upside is, is through the roof. Um, and what I want to know personally is, you know, how big of a deal is a screw in your foot, right? I, I mean, listen, like a screw in your foot to me is like, oh, wow, that's huge. But I want to know, like, what that means when it comes to being an athlete, right? I, I'm, a, I guess you could say a two out of a 10 when it comes to being <laughs> anywhere close to an athlete. Uh, but, you know, I think my, my prime was like junior high school basketball, um, <laughs> but that's about it. So like, I just, I'm just curious with, like what your thoughts are there. Yeah. So the thing with the, with Hollywood is like, he's so damn athletic and still average nine fantasy points per game as a rookie wide receiver and an offense with low passing volume. And he also played through that list Frank uh, issue that he had surgery in 2018 came or 2018 or 19 and then played the whole NFL season in 2019 with that screw in his foot. We know that the, the studies, there's a study done. I'm not going to try to name the author off the top of my head again, because I'll botch <laughs> it. Um, I think it's Singh actually, but they found that essentially um, 20, there's a 21% drop off in productivity in NFL players who have list Frank, list Frank in the first year back from list Frank surgery. Part of that is probably because of the screw in their foot. He was on the injury report seven times because of uh, the, the screw in his foot with a foot and ankle issue. So I think with the foot and ankle issue out with him up 10 pounds, gaining like one and a half pounds per month since their last playoff game. I just, dude, I'm in love with Hollywood Brown. I think the upside is, is like top 10. Um, Graham Barfield actually tweeted out uh, yesterday. He said, if everybody on Twitter is always looking for the next Tyree kill and the answer right in front of your eyes, his name's Hollywood Brown. And I, dude, I, I'm taking him everywhere. Yeah. I, and I hear that, man. Like it's, it's, I, I want to know, you know, and, and for him to make such a big jump from his rookie year, like I, I can totally see it and I want to, and I hope that, you know, I think that this offense can potentially become just a little bit more pass, not pass heavy, but less run heavy. Right. And it can get to a point where like, he's going to be the number one, um, you know, he's going to be available more. I think he only played like on like, 40% of snaps or some something like that and he still managed to do his thing when he was on the field um and then and then they haven't really added too many pass catchers the, he Lamar Jackson doesn't really throw to the running back so a lot of things can stay the same 
You know what I mean? And he could just – his sky is the limit. So if those targets can improve, if he can be on the field more, I think and, – and then on top of that, you have Lamar Jackson potentially improving as a passer. All, all, all that can happen. Um, you know, for me, you know, one hesitation I have is like, you know, I look at a guy like Darius Slayton, you know, who was a little bit of a one-trick pony last year, who was doing who, – who was very productive as a rookie. Um, but when it comes – when it comes to like projecting on who I think will be great in that offense, you know, I look at guys like Stone and Shepard and guys who, who, who might out target him. Um, and, and how do I, you know, obviously I think Marquise Brown is a better route runner and all that. And will he be used that way or will he just be used throwing a deep um, and that sort of thing? We have to depend on that, that, that type of production, right? That's my only, uh, that's fair my only thoughts behind that. But anyway, you know, it's just something that I, I personally want to look into more because every time I see, you know, Scott Barrett or like, you know, or Graham Barfield talk about this dude, I literally go into my notes and I'm like, look into this more. What are you missing? <laughs> like just, right. just don't, and, and like they said, don't overthink it. Right. And I, I, and I have a problem doing that. So that's something that I got to look into. I'm just going to take their word for it and just draft them everywhere. Um, <laughs> uh, let me ask you a question, man. Are you out? on T.Y. Hilton? Are you out on A.J. Green? Um, it seems like these guys, and maybe I'm wrong for putting them in the same category, right? These guys are constantly getting hurt. You know, both Hilton and Green, they already suffered from some sort of hamstring injury so far in camp. Uh, we know what kind of players these guys can be, especially A.J. Green, but should I even bother? Like, to me, it seems like just don't bother. Uh, you know, it's going to, I feel like it could be a headache for both these guys. I think that, I think that you have to view A.J. Green as like, yeah, AJ Green's kind of in that category for me that I'm like, should I even bother? Yeah. Um, T.Y. Hilton's getting there. I think that the knock on T.Y. Hilton isn't necessarily like the dude's always hurt necessarily. I think it's just like his body's breaking down. He's 30 years old. He's got noodle arm rivers as his quarterback now. Mm-hmm. I, it's just one of those things where I think that people are – I think this is a situation where name brand is always, you know, sticks in people's head. Right. When why would you take – a wide and this is I put this in the uh, the fantasy points article that I did for AJ Green. Um, I did it in the injury discounts too, but I talked about his age and how his age is like age is something I think that I've been really leaning on this year the, for the first time, and I feel like it's because it's reasonable to assume that age does affect a player's outcome in the end because athleticism comes in shades, right? Like it comes in in bits and pieces when it when you're at this elite level, like even the you know, even the, the smallest amount of, of athleticism matters. And once you're 30 years old, that starts to deteriorate. So basically what I'm trying to say is that when it comes to age, here are the, the players who are older than the entire list, uh, wide receivers that are older than A.J. Green. Emmanuel Sanders, Deshaun Jackson, Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, Ted Ginn, Larry Fitzgerald. That's it. Those are the only, those are only receivers in the NFL that are older than A.J. Green. Like, okay. And are you taking – that Emmanuel a, Sanders early, right? No. That puts a lot of perspective into all. Yeah, that. are are you taking Julian? Are you even taking Julian? Like Julian Edelman's probably a dude that's going the highest there. And even right. then, it's like, are you taking Julian Edelman before the seventh, eighth round? Like exactly. Danny Amendola is obviously Danny Amendola. Larry Fitzgerald. We haven't been drafting Larry Fitzgerald before the tenth round for like five years now. I feel like so. Anyway, it's all just to say that I think that that AJ Green is closer to that category of like don't even bother necessarily. Yeah. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hear you. And both of these guys, like, you know, that, you know, the Bengals have a guy like Tyler Boyd, right. And who, who, who you should be looking at. And he's going later. He's going a couple rounds later than AJ Green. And it's like, 
You know, I'd rather take Tyler Boyd there, right? And even in, in Indy, like, I'm, I'm big on Paris Campbell. Like, I'm a big Paris Campbell guy. You know, both of them in the slot. You mentioned Noodle Arm Rivers. And I just feel like that's where he'll be looking on the field, right? Not necessarily the more intermediate, two deeper routes that T.Y. Hilton might be running on the outside, right? That, that's that's kind of how I look at that. But um, now, Evan Ingram. Like, I've been looking at Evan Ingram. In the beginning of this offseason, I wasn't really looking at him too much but then I'm like all right well I'm in the seventh round right and I'm thinking wow like this can turn out to be a great value right I'm usually a late round tight end guy for the most part or I'll grab a tight end super early if I want to grab an elite one but if I can get an elite talent you know an opportunity because Ingram does have a chance to if he plays he does have a chance to lead that team in targets um, sometimes I'll take a guy early enough at a value right he hasn't been able to stay upright for an entire season yet, uh, but are his past injuries indicative of future ones? They can be. And so here's a guy who's on the opposite trajectory of Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown's coming back. It's going to be his second year after the list rank. He had the screw removed, and he's ready to roll. And Evan Ingram is in the opposite uh, position where he's in that year where you see a 21% production dip. And so I get it at tight end. It's really hard to say you should fade X, Y, or Z guy. But I am saying if we're talking full range of outcomes again, like, you have got to understand what you're getting yourself into with Evan Ingram is that even if he does play, it's, it's not guaranteed a slam dunk that he feels great and that he's going to perform. Right. So his ceiling I think is a little more capped um, than, than most players is simply because of that list Frank issue. And so that's something I worry about. I also worry about the fact that he's had two concussions in the last couple of years. So is it indicative of future injury? It doesn't have to be, but he definitely has more injury mileage than somebody else. Like somebody say like Hayden Hurst or something like that, Hunter Henry, maybe even. So that's, you just have to know what you're getting yourself into with Evan Ingram. Yeah. I just look at him and look at him. And like if he was healthy, he might be like a top three tight end in the league, uh, maybe higher uh, just because of how good he has been when healthy, especially his rookie year. Um, but yeah, so I, it's just interesting to me that what his upside can be. But if you said that, you know, with his type of injury, typically, you know, there's more than a 20%, uh, you know, reduction in, you know, potential, you know, potential reduction in production, potential reduction in production. I love that. That's great. I'm just going to put that on loop and put that shit on TikTok. Um, (laughs) I'm going to make an audio for it. Right, right. I'll just, uh, I'm going to sign up for TikTok tonight. Um, so, so yeah, no, I, I hear you though. Like it, 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 this year may be not the year. Right. Um, and do, does he have a screw in his foot? Does he have, is it, is, is, is it Liz Frank, right? Yeah. If he had an ORIF and it, they wanted to place, they wanted to pin it. Yeah. I would assume it's hard cause we don't get the actual surgical reports like we would yeah. in real life. Um, I assume though, that's what's going on with him. If he, if they did come out with surgical reports, like that would be, that would be your shit, right? Like you'd be yeah, all, hippo all, though. All in that. I wish. Oh yeah. I'd be breaking those down. I'd have like all, all of those surgical reports broken down, but you know, as, as Ezekiel Elliott would say, HIPAA. Right. right. That when he got COVID. <laughs> That's literally what I just thought of that tweet. I literally thought of that. That's yeah. Um, the context that he put it out of was kind of weird, but yeah, I, I get what he was trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now I, I don't, <laughs> I hate to ask you about Will Fuller. Like this is probably like, I don't know if this is the most annoying question that you get or most annoying player you want to talk about, but no, no. Uh, I'm going to take him in a lot of drafts anyway, like because of his price and upside, like I think the potential five weeks he can go off for me. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Is there a world where Will Fuller can stay healthy for close to an entire season? You know what? This is, I think this is the first podcast that I'm saying this on. So you should, you should uh, be excited about this because I've been saying no Today, I saw the report from Roto World where Deshaun Watson said that he thinks Will Fuller is going to ball out. And then I read that Will Fuller, I guess he bulked up 
he hired a new personal trainer. He, he overhauled his entire strength and conditioning and diet. That is the type of talk that I, as a physical therapist, you know, going to be certified strength and conditioning specialist next month. Like as when I hear that, I'm like, if there's anything that's going to change this dude's current trajectory when it comes to physical health and injuries, it's that it's hearing that. So it, when you say, is there a world? I think yesterday I would have said, I don't think that world exists. Like now I think that that's a possibility. It's not, I'm not, it's not a slam dunk, but he's putting himself in the best position to do that. And if you can get him in like the ninth, 10th round, I, I think I'm down with that, man. Cause I, I really, if the dude can stay healthy, I mean, he is out of this world. So he's someone I'm willing to take. He's someone I'm willing to take a flyer on now. Yeah, no, I hear you. And, and that's interesting because, you know, when you hear something like that, like you're like, all right, well, he's not doing the same stuff that he was doing before. He's trying to, he, he, first of all, he acknowledges the problem, right? He acknowledges the fact that he can't stay healthy. Now he's going into a situation where he has a chance to be the wide receiver one for his team. And he has legit competition in Brandon cooks. So he has to do something right. DeAndre Hopkins is gone and he has a real opportunity here and he, he's not letting it go. So, um, I appreciate that, that, that context because it, I, I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know that he overhauled, um, you know, that process and he kind of changed that up. So that's good. That's good to know. Uh, now I'm going to take him around earlier. All right. So <laughs> there you uh, go. <laughs> uh, Debo Samuel, um, you know, he, you know, he's supposed to come back, uh, you know, a couple weeks into the season, potentially John Lynch said that earlier. And then he says like, he, he'll be back week one Debo does. Uh, but then I think he got shut down again, I think by maybe Kyle Shanahan or somebody, but um, now it's, it's, can he be himself like right off the bat? Like when he is back, let's say he's back week three, week four, something like that. Um, is he worth, I, it's a two part question. Is he worth drafting a and holding for a couple of weeks? B can he be, can he be himself? From he's a risk, right? So I dropped him close to the red light tier in my fantasypoints.com article of my wide receiver tiers. He he's 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 a risk because players his age in his position, after they suffer this injury, they're objectively at a higher risk to refracture and to create a refracture in the first place. So he's a risk. But when it comes to can he be healthy, I think so. It's gonna take a few weeks for him to get into football shape and really get get himself rolling and going. But can't is he worth drafting? In my opinion, yes, because his ADP just keeps you know plummeting. Yeah. Uh, I still think there's a chance he's ready by week one. They, they haven't said they haven't put him on the reserve pup yet. When they put him on the reserve pup, that's when you know he's going to play. He's not going to play at least the first six weeks. But I think there's a chance he plays within the first few weeks of the season still. Um, and I think that he can get there, and he might be a value in drafts if he can if he doesn't have a refracture. Right. I, th- I think the main thing with him is like having to tie up a roster spot right for for you know, however long it's going to be. If you know that he's going to be on, on the reserve pub for six weeks, then that's one thing. But another thing to like have to like wonder when he's going to come back. Can you start him the first week? Maybe just let someone else draft him and then you just kind of like shoot a trade off for him or something like that. Um, especially if he doesn't perform quite as well in the first couple of weeks, which is very possible because if this continues to be a run heavy offense, it is very possible that Debo doesn't have the type of weeks or target volume that you want him to have right off the bat. Um, so Matt Stafford, right? He's been one of my one of my targets, I guess, late targets this season, just because of his price. It's it's, it's relatively okay, tenth round sort of thing. If you're looking for a quarterback, um, can I like? Should I have some concern for that back injury? Like, can it be something that's re- 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 that reoccurs? Um, you know, you know, it seems like he's fine in in camp now, 
but is that something that I need to worry about, worry about in the future? I think that I'm not carrying just Matt Stafford, if that makes sense. Uh, I don't want just Matt Stafford. He's 32 years old. This is the second time he's had these thoracic uh, vertebral fractures, which is interesting that it's in his mid back, which is thoracic spine and not the lumbar spine. They usually occur in the lumbar spine, like Carson Wentz's fractures were in the lumbar spine. His are in the thoracic. So that's weird. And this is the second time he's had it. He's 32 years old. I just, it's just, it's, it's, I feel kind of, kind of great greasy if I were to have only yeah. Matt Stafford on my team as my quarterback. I'm not saying you can't ball out and be good. I just, I would just caution again, range of outcomes, Matt Stafford, the range of outcomes for Matt Stafford is ending the season on the IR again. Once right. you have one, one injury, you're more likely to have it again. He's already had it again. So that just makes him even more likely to get it for the third time. So that's what I feel like. That's what I think with Matt Stafford. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Now I mentioned Paris Campbell earlier, two slot wide receivers. I'm looking at late Anthony Miller, Paris Campbell. Uh, Miller had surgery to repair his shoulder right after last season. He had a dislocation in 2018. Is there a chance that he hurts that shoulder again? So here's, here's, I missed, sorry, I missed where you went from. Okay. Matt Stafford, Anthony Miller. If you mentioned Paris Campbell, I I got lost for a second. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. you're good. Literally the only link between those two guys were the fact that they play slot and they're going there. (laughs) No, you're good. Anthony (laughs) Miller, right? So is there a chance that he has another dislocation? Yeah. It's just as high as it is. Not just as high as it is for Dalvin Cook since Dalvin Cook didn't have surgery. Anthony Miller did have surgery. Uh, But there is a chance. I mean, this is the second. Anthony Miller's had at least two shoulder dislocations that we know of. So that puts him in the range of between like 20 and 26% of, of dislocating it again. And that's just the reality. Some people were born loose. Some people were torn loose. Some people were torn loose and then are just loose for the rest of their life. Anthony Miller's that dude. He's been torn loose and maybe he was born loose. He's just one of those dudes that has dislocations and it's just a reality for him. And it's something that you have to take into account when you're taking him uh, as your, as your wide receiver two or three. Did he like, didn't he like uh, dislocate or separate both shoulders last season? Or something like that. I don't know if it was both. I remember reading that he, he dislocated the same one like four times during the oh, season. Wow. Okay. I think that's what happened. Oh, wow. That is crazy. All right. So Paris Campbell, uh, it's, to me, it seems like his injuries have been a little unlucky. Hamstring strain in preseason, ab strain in week four, hand fracture in week uh, 10, and a, ab, and a foot fracture in week 14. I feel like he couldn't catch a break. Is it, is it, am I right when, when, I, yeah. when I talk about that? I'm all on board. I drafted Paris Campbell in my rookie draft. I took Paris Campbell with one yeah. of my picks. Um, you just laid it out perfectly. I couldn't even like say it better than that. He's in the injury discount article I did with Scott Barrett, the one that I mentioned earlier, the wide receiver injury discounts. Um, I know it's Noodle Arm Rivers, but from a dynasty perspective, I think that he's a dude that you should invest in. Especially with Frank Wright as his coach, right? It kind of, it just, for me, I feel like it just fit that offense really well. Um, okay, so last guy I want to talk about, Preston Williams. Uh, he's coming off the ACL surgery and this is more of a of a general topic as well about wide receivers in general coming off that acl surgery um from what i've seen in camp i saw some few videos and from what you know reports are coming out saying like he look he looks fine um you know we saw cooper cup come off the acl surgery last year and in general like you know this is obviously in the context of preston williams uh do we ever have to be worried about you know production the year after an acl injury um i remember Allen Robinson's uh, post ACL year wasn't great, uh, but he also didn't. He also didn't have great quarterback production, right? So that's not that he's ever had that. Um, but you know, just curious about your thoughts about like the year after ACL for wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, Allen Robinson. First of all, he's, he's dude's been in like 
quarterback purgatory his whole career, right? Like he had Bortles. And it's amazing what he could still do, like what he did last year. Yeah, yeah. No, it's amazing. I remember I saw, I remember a video from whatever, like 2018 or something um, that was uh, of Allen Robinson. And it was, it was like a ball that went way over his head and it was Bortles and the camera went from like the ball and then straight to Bortles who's just standing there. Anyway, moral story. <laughs> um, moral story is that, um, yeah. So Preston Williams, he's had two ACL tears. One was in high school. One was last year it makes you a little nervous that he might do it again. Like, why is he having two ACL tears? Maybe they addressed it this time now that he's at the professional level. We don't know. Just curious. Um, was it the same knee? It was, it was the opposite knee. I think. Opposite knee. Okay. Yeah. Which doesn't like <laughs> kind of relevant, kind of not. Um, but when it comes to production, I think what you have to worry about is if he had a hamstring graft, if they took the new ACL from his hamstring, then, then that's, he's, he might suffer from, uh, you know, more strains. Uh, hamstring strains this year that's something to keep an eye on and he's like he's like a yellow light guy I would say I'd keep an eye on him but I don't think necessarily because of his ADP that I would I'd fade him right exactly he's, he's going so late that you know he's a potential you know and with me you know Preston Williams it's not so much like all right how's Preston Williams gonna do but it's a lot about Devontae Parker right and and whether you view him as that alpha wide receiver one you know, now that Preston Williams is back, right? And that's that goes into a lot of that too. And if we knew that Devontae was the guy, Preston Williams is doing okay, then we might not have – we might not, you know, uh, forecast, uh, you know, uh, an amazing target share for Devontae Parker, right? It could be, uh, you know, more spread out at the top. So that, that's kind of my thoughts on that. Um, yeah, man, that's it. That's really all – that's the, all I had. Thank you, man. I, I think we, we've gone about an hour or so, so I really appreciate your time. I know how valuable your time is. Uh, thank you for that. You, you've, you've, like, enlightened me on, like – I hope so, man. I hope you're not just saying that. Man. No, Be nice. Listen, Stroke man, my ego. Listen, I do a lot of um, – you know, I look into, you know, all these situations, right, uh, you know, from a fantasy perspective, from a data perspective, from all of that, from watching film, all that. But, right, the medical stuff is where, like, you know, I have no idea a professional <laughs> like yourself can come on and like really shed a lot of light on a lot of these situations. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, a, 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 anything me. else you want to say? I know that we can find you at fantasypoints.com. Uh, is it FB injury doc? Yep. On Twitter FB, at FB injury doc. Yep. FB injury, FB injury doc on Twitter. Uh, he has an Instagram too. Are you FB injury dog on Instagram as well? I, I think so, man. I have, <laughs> have to go look at my handle. Yeah, just go to my Twitter. And actually I do have, so I'll plug my podcast, the injury prone fantasy football podcast. It's on my Twitter. It's okay. linked to the top of my page. So it's pinned there. You can go check it out. Um, rate review. If you like, if you like this podcast, I try to do that in depth on my own podcast. So um, go check that out. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. You said it was that. Can you say that name one more time? Yep. The injury prone fantasy football podcast. Perfect. Perfect. All right, man. Thank you so much. Check out his work on fantasypoints.com as well. Like I said, it's not just him, even though he, he provides some great articles on, on, on a lot of uh, injuries and all that kind of stuff and what to expect from a fantasy perspective, but they have a, just an amazing team there. So it's just worth it. You get this plus you get all that other stuff from all those other great analysts as well. But uh, thank you, man. Thank you so much. Um, uh, and that's it. That's it. Thank you guys for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk soon. See ya.